Hello and welcome to Out and About Imolovians. I'm your host, Jeremy Barfa. As part of my job as Member of the Scottish Parliament, I get to travel around Malovians, meeting interesting people and hearing about how the companies, charities and projects that they work for benefit and contribute to our community. On this podcast, I will share their stories. On today's episode, I'm looking forward to talking to Alison Barr from Jack's Den. Well, good morning, Alison. It's great to be here with you. Um, Jack's Den, just tell the listeners a wee bit about the history of Jack's Den. Okay, so Jack's Den was, or came about as a result of my inspirational son, Jack, um, who sadly died eight and a half years ago, um, eight years ago, through um, a rare and aggressive form of cancer. Um, Jack was a fit and healthy um, 15-year-old, 14-year-old, and playing football for his local team, and played tuba in the school, school band, and just having a great life, basically. And then very suddenly took ill very quickly and ended up in ICU in an induced coma. Um, fighting for his life where we were told that it was a very rare form of lymphoma and that the median would be a year. Um, His journey was up and down, he was in hospital for 14 weeks, I was with him the whole time and then we came home for a few weeks with the hope that he was going to Glasgow for a bone marrow transplant with the hope that he would be have a prolonged life. Unfortunately when we got to Glasgow they discovered that the cancer had very very quickly returned um, and there was nothing else that they could do for him so we came home and 10 days later he sadly died at home um, but within these 10 days Jack just said right well okay if I can't be here then I want to be able to make a difference for other young people that are going through this journey because they will be like me and they will have been living normal lives and being quite happy doing everything that they wanted to then all of a sudden wham everything's taken from them there's no control um, and there's nothing for them to do in hospital because they've got to stay there for fear of infection. They're maybe not feeling strong enough to do things, you know, etc. So I want to make a difference. So in these 10 days, he set out this big long list of different things that he wanted. And at the top of it was a den where children and young people ages 0 to 25 could come with their families and their friends and just relax, chill and just feel themselves, be themselves, you know, and feel normal again for a wee while in amongst people that just get it for the same purpose. Um, he wanted support for siblings because his big sister Amy, she was 17 at the time and she just was really kind of left to go on with it. Um, and he was aware that there was no support for siblings at that point. So he wanted sibling support. He wanted music therapy because music was a big part of our lives as a family. Um, and he wanted lots of fun social activities where people could just come together under different circumstances just have a laugh, great fun, but within a sterile environment where they could get freshly cooked food because obviously, as you know, people that have cancer, their blood counts go really low, so they can't go and eat processed food or reheated food. It has to be freshly cooked. Um, so he wanted all that within his day and he wanted a quad a quad bike track. <laughs> so we compromised there. We've got a wee remote control one instead. <laughs> um, football goals, um, under five zone, activity zone, you name it. Um, he wanted it. He also wanted to obviously just make that big, big difference through counselling, through child um, counselling as well, play therapy, just really to make a difference to the whole, whole family. And obviously Jack sadly did pass away, as you said. And for many periods, that's just a, a time where they have to really kind of prioritise. You've got other siblings, you've got your own emotional... But you... If I can put it nicely, came out fighting, if I can put it that way. 
which I find remarkable. Um, so obviously Jack gave you that wish list, but that was a piece of paper, and I'm sitting here in an amazing place. So how did you go from that wish, wish list to where we are today with all the emotional stuff that you had to deal with as a family as well? Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing, actually. I, I remember clearly, actually, we said that it was about two weeks after um, Jack died. It was about a week after the funeral. We said we would hold a press release and we would get all the ideas that Jack had wanted out within the press release and then we were going to just take some time to grieve as a family privately. So we did that and then about a month after that we held a fundraising awareness meeting in the Black Bull Mid Calder. I think we had about 70 people came to it from local and, and further afield to support us. They had phenomenal press coverage through STV, through the, the fourth one, different places. Um, so the, the story was up there. So obviously the momentum was there at the time that we could then take that on board and get our charitable status um, very, very quickly, actually. So by the, the April he died, at the beginning of February, by the end of April, we had our Oscar registration, which was quite phenomenal. Mm. Um, and through that, I think it was, it was actually... It really helped me. He knew I was a teacher before that. Actually, the school just up the road loved it. Um, absolutely loved everything about teaching. There wasn't one day that I went to my work that I didn't want to be there. Um, however, I think Jack knew deep down that that wouldn't be enough for me anymore, and he was right because I remember walking back in the first day after I went back, and I froze on the rug just inside the door, and I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here, and I really, really, really struggled with it, and. I was known to be, because I was doing music all the time, laterally in school, I was known to be able to pull ch children together and things like that and, you know, like help with the behaviour and things like that. Whereas when that happened, I just, I was like, my son's dead. I'm watching children, you know, suffer with cancer every day. So whilst I love my teaching, I carried that on for about a year and a half whilst building up Team Jack. Within 10 months of Jack dying, we had Jack's Den Mark 1 in Gedis House in Livingston. Mm -hmm. Very small, not brilliantly purposed because it was up a, a, a flight of stairs, so it wasn't obviously ideal for you know disabled access, etc. However, it gave us a starting point, it gave us a focus, and it was phenomenal how from there we were able to build on that. And then in 2019, we opened this flagship Jackstein Mark II, which has just been phenomenal um, since then. And tell us a wee bit about what's and no, probably not such a thing, but what's an average week for Jack's Den? So, that's quite interesting actually. So, in, in an, so obviously Jack's Den is obviously our, our headquarters. I'll explain a wee bit about this and then go into that. So, from Jack's Den headquarters in October last year, we opened Jack's Den in Aberdeen because we discovered very, very quickly on in the journey that one den for the whole of Scotland wasn't going to work. So, we started within a couple of years establishing pop-up venues um, we had one in Aberdeen, we had one in Fife, um, and we had one in East Lothian at that point, um, where families would come and we would do lots of different fun things. Um, but we've since then discovered, obviously, that we need even more of that. So we have now currently got Jack's Den HQ in Livingston, Jack's Den in Aberdeen. We do pop-up events at least twice a month in Fife from St. Columbus Church in Glenrothes. And we do twice monthly minimum in Glasgow from Finding Your Feet Building in Paisley. We're also being privileged to go back into the hospital wards in Glasgow and Edinburgh since COVID where we're doing pop-up day activities and providing emotional support there as well. Um, there's so much more to come from that. We also sometimes go into schools if there's a child that's maybe 
just been diagnosed and they're struggling, the class is struggling or sadly they've relapsed and there's not going to be a good outcome. We will work with the class, the teachers, the support staff and help them through that journey, through the actual death of the child and help them with bereavement support thereafter as well. So you say what's an average week in Jackson? <laughs> there is no average week in Jackson. On a Tuesday, however, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, we have our Jacks mini mini dinners session where the little ones, the under fives, come in, and that is a nursery experience for kids that can't get to nursery because they maybe aren't well enough to go, or you know, for fear of infection, whatever. So we've got a number of children from babies right up to five year old that come along on a Tuesday afternoon. They get a music session with instruments and props and things and then there will be story time, we do messy play, then they have a wee activity and some free play and a snack. While their parents um, have a wee shot in pamper pod, we have a lady that comes in and does some pamper sessions with them during that. So that's a Tuesday and then twice a month we have Tuesday twilight sessions for the mums and dads where they come into the counselling pod or sit in the, the studio and we have things like yoga, mindfulness, crafting, different things, just to let the parents have some time on their own to do that as well. Um, a wedding state, we are in Glasgow Hospital, and some of our staff are in Glasgow Hospital, some of our staff are back at the day. We've got a couple of families that drop in on a wedding state, and twice a month we have an angel family parent patter group, where the angel parents that have lost their children come in and they just sit, and have a blather and support each other and feel supported at the same time. Um, a Thursday we go to Edinburgh Children's Hospital to Lochran's Award um, and again during the holidays a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday we have open for drop-ins and different um, staggered um, structured activities for the families and then Thursday evenings we have some tutoring going on so we also provide tutoring for children that are struggling with exams or primary children that have maybe missed out either children that are going through the treatment or siblings that have missed out as a result of. So I'm currently tutoring a primary school child and we have a parent that's tutoring three children that are about to do their um, National 5 and higher maths. So that works on a Thursday evening. And then on a Friday, Fridays are fun days. We have Friday Fun um, fun Club. So they come in for the lunch straight after school. Um, and then we have music therapy on a Friday afternoon. So some children go to music therapy. Um, and others just have, we have fun activities, we have themed activities that go on each week to do that, which is great fun. Saturday mornings, so we've just recently, due to demand, started another music therapy session. So we have another four children that come in on a Saturday morning for that. And again, there's a drop-in session in the day now where families can come along and see Lisa, our CYP and family lead facilitator. Um, and then the first and the third Sundays of the month we're in. <laughs> on uh, the first Sunday we have Big Breakfast where everybody comes along. They get a lovely hot cooked breakfast by our volunteer chef all to Nutripunic standards. Then we have our teen lunch and chat or a teen outing. One month we're in the day and we do the games because we've got the teen zone and they make their lunch and have fun. And then the second month we go out they've done things like the skate room, crazy golf, different things like that. And then after that, we have our angel group where our angel families come. And that's a really well-established group now. We've got about 15 families that come regularly to that. Um, the first Sunday of the month, age ranges from little ones right up to teenagers, where the, the children go and they do one activity. The parents sit and have a wee chat together and then we eat together at the end of it. And we've got a beautiful angel garden as well where the children go out. They've designed pictures for the the. Um, fences in there, they plant plants each year, we're about to do pebbles this month for them so they can do that in memory of their angel. 
In between times, they've got counselling on a, I forgot about that, counselling's in here on a Wednesday and a Thursday. Um, yeah, and there's lots and lots of other fun things. <laughs> I'm sure I feel slightly exhausted um, <laughs> having heard all that. But, um, I, mean, it, it, I mean, it's just amazing. I suppose one of the things we don't think about is the impact on siblings. Because clearly, if someone gets a diagnosis, whether that's cancer or something else from a, a child, yeah. immediately the focus goes on to them, and, and absolutely rightly so. But I wonder, what impact does it have on siblings? And from your experience, sadly, over the last eight years, of talking to so many families, how, how do you deal with a sibling? Or, I know there's no one answer for each child yeah. is different. Yeah. But what are some of the principles behind it that you think you should deal with another child who's not going through it, but is clearly impacted by it? I think you're spot on there, Jeremy. I think, you know, the siblings are, are the, the almost the, the shadow child. There's a, there's a word in, in Germany that they actually call it the shadow child for siblings that are going through cancer. Um, for exactly that reason, because they are all of a sudden, all their normality goes as well. Their parents, if they've got two parents, they're lucky enough to still have two parents at home. One's in the hospital, possibly permanently. They're maybe swapping over the other ones at work, trying to keep the family going. They're maybe shunted out to family, to friends, to whatever. If it's a single parent, it's even worse because a single parent might be in the hospital the whole time. They're left to fend for themselves, literally through family and friends. They're maybe not getting to their activities. They're maybe feeling angry. They're almost feeling resentful. Sometimes they're even jealous of the child with cancer because the child with cancer is getting all these fancy treats and things, even though we know that they deserve more than that. Mm. Um, so our, our whole um, ethos behind Team Jack is it's a bespoke service, which means that no one size fits all and that it is lifelong service. It's not time-limited service in Team Jack. And that especially goes for the siblings. Um, I During COVID, I used my teaching experience to write a programme called Bag of Worries. Um, and I have two generic ones which are from 3 to 6 year old and 7 to 12 year old then a warrior one which has got a booklet and then individual sheets to do with their treatment but I've also done a sibling one and the sibling one is basically um, all about them starts off with all about them then it talks about their likes, their interests, their hobbies and then it talks about how they're feeling because their sibling has cancer and they're on this journey where in their body do they feel it? can they scale their feelings? Do they feel jealous? Do they feel angry? You know, why are my parents not paying me any attention? It goes through all that. It then goes through um, different strategies for them to deal with that. So it gives them different ideas like superhero poses and things so that they can, you know, believe in themselves. Um, going back to school, how do they deal with going back to school and, and going to school while they know that their siblings lying sick in hospital? They've maybe not been told the whole story by their parents, so they maybe get a whole load of questions, confusion, fear, as I said before, you know, they might be angry or resentful. So it's about addressing all these issues and just using different strategies, techniques and resources to pull that out of the sibling and then just bespoke our support around that to see how far, you know, we, we can help them. So as I say, no one size fits all. We can do that sibling book as a one-to-one. -one. We've done it in small groups. We've gone out to schools and the sibling has done it within a group within their class. Um, so it's various, various forms of support there, but they are a very, very big part of what we do. Again, as you say, each, each family, each individual is, is different. But if someone's listening to this, and maybe one of their kids 
is diagnosed, what's a piece of advice you would give them? I would say the best piece of advice is get in touch with us and other charities. I think we're the only one that, that provides the bespoke emotional support in Scotland for children going through cancer and the families, but I would say take it, get in touch with us, take every bit of support that you can, just ride the storm, ride the waves. If you're down, you know, accept that you're going to be down, accept that you're not going to have a lot of control in this journey, but just ask for help. Don't be scared to ask for help. Everything's going to change relationships will change people's attitudes towards you will change but just hold firm you know just look after yourself look after your wee family and just lean on us and lean on others for every bit of support that you can get i'm interested to hear about your work in the hospital because hospitals you know i think we're very fortunate here in scotland but we have great medical doctors treatment things are changing every day but i suspect from my experience and maybe it's changed in 30 years or 40 years there's not very really emotional support there so is that what you're going to give is that the, the missing piece of the jigsaw is that what you're doing and how do you deliver that in in a hospital environment you're spot on again jeremy um the msn managed services network government um cancer plan children's cancer plan 2016 to 2019 and then again the one from 21 to 20 or 20 to 23 has identified that there's a real lack of psychosocial support and a real need for it which is exactly what we are all about here um, and I think that was one thing that that is our phrase from Jack that was that while the medical care was outstanding we could not fault them and we will always praise them to the hilt there was a massive gap in um, social and emotional support you know we've we have families here that have said you know that, that they come out of hospital after treatment it's like I just got on with it you know you can go on you can be normal again you can't be normal after you've gone through a cancer journey whether you're an adult or a child your life has changed so much there's physical things you need to think about there's emotional things there's people that will deal with their journeys differently some will fire through and collapse and burn at the end of it some will not cope from day one some will sail through it but everybody will need support at some point on their journey so by going where the route is in the hospital right on the front line we are able to provide that emotional support through early intervention so that hopefully the long-term mental health and isolation benefits will be dealt with there you know at the front line so to speak so we go in and the girls it's very much a softly softly approach in both the hospitals at the moment where we, we provide almost like pop-up day activities within the ward where they do a wee activity with them there's two two staff go in one will sit and blare it to the parents and give them a bit of emotional support while they're sitting playing with the children and doing the different activities. If there is a need identified that the parent asks for more support if the, host- the child's going to be in hospital long term, we would take the bag of worries or different resources and emotional resources that we've got in to support them. We hope from the, the frontline stuff that we're doing in the hospital, they will then seek further services from us, further support from us and then they'll access our services better that way and then we can support them by either getting another time to support or they can come out to the den, we can support via Zoom, we can go to their home and visit them as well. Um, the other thing that we do in Glasgow is we've got a music therapist in on a Thursday as well as the Wednesday um, staff can in and her evaluations are just, oh they are heartwarming, um, you know the, the difference that she's making, you know for example even yesterday there were two children, one of them is petrified if any nurses and doctors come near them because they, they know it's going to hurt um, and the parent had actually asked um, Alice to stay in the room and carry on doing the music while the, the procedure was administered 
and the note was that the child was much calmer as a result of having the music in there at the same time. So again, it's, it's just finding different strategies and different ways of being able to meet that need at the core, at the heart, where it is needed most. And hopefully from there, that will then alert the families to the fact that we have far more support that we can offer in so many different ways. Now these things don't fund themselves. Mm. Um, and you're a charity. So again, if people are listening to this, what can they do to help you on this journey? So, yes, absolutely, you're spot on. And I think that the, the COVID and cost of living crisis, never mind the fact that we are expanding rapidly due to the demand. We, we had 320 families a year and a bit ago. We are now at 480 families today. Um, I would say people could, if, if you're in a fortunate position that you could give a one-off sum, that would be fantastic. If you're able to give monthly regular giving from as little as £2 a month as to whatever, that would be amazing. If you're able to do an activity for us, you might want to join something like the Kilt Walk and do that on behalf of Team Jack. You might want to run your own bake sale, coffee morning, sponsored thing. Um, or you might want to even engage in something further. But please get in touch. We would be delighted to hear from you and we can help you in any way. Our website um, www.teamjack.org.uk and it's Jack J-A-K because I was one of these awkward mothers that spelt our children's names differently I should have known better as a teacher <laughs> but I would say anything that you can do um, would be great if you if you work for a company get your company involved every company has a corporate social responsibility which means that they have a responsibility to help charities and social um, activities so speak to your boss about that if they don't know about it they can get tax relief in that as well which means that there's benefits to the, the company as well as to the charity and to the, the staff volunteering is another thing we're always looking for volunteers both within Jackstein to help with the families but also our fundraising events we've got lots of community events um, at the moment that are starting up again post-covid gala days and things that we need volunteers to help us with so don't think oh I've not got any money I can't help there is so much more you could be doing raise awareness spread the word go on your social media share our posts anything at all you would not un you don't realize just what a tiny wee thing like that that you think doesn't matter does matter please share share the word and get it out there that we're here for people Alison, we could talk for hours but time is time is almost on us so let me finish with my final question i always like to ask you've got your magic wand what would make the work of a charity easier that's a very, very simple answer, which is unlimited financial resources. If we had unlimited financial resources, the world is our oyster. We could have Jack Stains in every um, town. Our aim is to get one in Glasgow next, then Edinburgh, um, down in the borders, up in the highlands, you know, and to own our buildings. We don't own any buildings at the moment. We really want to own our buildings and have that asset. We want to get into schools. We want to be able to support every single child, sibling, friend, parent, grandparent relation of a child that is affected by cancer and children affected by parental cancer as well, you know, and, and develop these links further. So, as I say, unlimited financial resources through funding, corporates, large donations, anything at all. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great to hear from Alison, to hear out of something horrific and sad that's happened some good has come out of it. We'll put a link to their website in the show notes and you can go to it if you want to find out more.
Thank you for listening to Out and About the Moravians and I look forward to catching up next time. Thank you.